0: producer dude here we are again i know you don't like your time with me and when we're not on the water i think we have what, what wait is it like i we have... don't
1: love my time with you doing podcasts or when we're on the water or both because i yes. would say it's the latter yes it's yeah. all above
0: yeah and feeling is is partially uh, mutual but here's the deal we've been doing this a long time together and we we work our way into some interesting things we've had al linder on obviously the king of fish and we've got a guy that I'm going to guess most of these people probably don't know. I did not know him. We some mutual friends and stuff, but John Dirtka, and I say that probably wrong here, but he is doing some spearfishing. I don't even know how I stand or where I stand on this. I mean, you're a, a very conservation-oriented uh, uh, individual. Like, where do you even think you might stand on this?
1: I mean, I would think it's harder than, you know, just more involved than, I mean, just looking at his videos just you know go down there and you know you know you're shooting at one fish and probably when you shoot one the rest of them's probably scatter i would imagine yeah. right yeah so. i i I don't even I, even from an ethical standpoint also I, these are the questions i'm sure people are going
0: to bring up but truthfully we're not here to uh I, we're going to learn about this i would imagine because i'm going to you know pull no punches and, and figure some of the stuff out but i think the biggest thing i want to learn about this habitat like he's got some videos he sent us and you know what what you can learn from that. So, our guys that follow us and you know, say, Hey, I'm not into spearfishing, like, yeah, I get it, neither am I. I'm not going to be doing this, but I think they need to stay tuned because these videos that we've already watched here that we're gonna I, you're probably gonna put some in the podcast, aren't you? Ultimately,
1: yes. So,
0: the, the fish like learning what I mean, this is like a giant aqua view camera, right? And some of the stuff that we kind of talked with him about is crazy. So, I think. That's going to be enough to to keep a lot of these guys engaged in this because I know I am I'm definitely wanting to know more and more about this so
1: yeah he just can sit on the bottom and observe what happens to these fish and what they do I mean he just sits down there and watches and and it's pretty cool
0: Crazy stuff so let's get him on here because I don't even know where where to go with this but i I imagine we're going to go down Pandora's box here. We have john Dirtcuff. is that, did i didn't say that properly close enough i, I won't close. i won't give you any crap about it we're just gonna call you john moving forward i love it so i don't even know how we really got here it's, it's funny how the fishing world works you know but i had seen a few things on instagram you know people send stuff around and i see this guy spearfishing right some people when you hear when you hear that and you don't have any anything else and you just think in your mind like what's that mean you're kind of like I'm thinking Hawaii, I might be thinking Native American. I might be thinking like I don't know, like what's going on, but yet we 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 know some mutual people, right? And you yep. start looking into this and I thought like, okay, I'm seeing some hate there. I'm seeing you getting blown up by people's comments, which we're no stranger to that because people on the internet are dipshits. Mm-hmm. But on the second half of that, I start seeing some of these videos and we're hoping to sneak a few in uh, on the podcast for the people that are watching the video portion of this one it runs and, you know, you can learn an awful lot. Like, that's really what I kind of want to pick your brain on a little bit because, you know, like we think we know what's going on. People talk about mega live imaging and side imaging, that stuff. But there is no substitute for seeing it with your own two eyes, man.
2: Yeah, 100%. That's uh, that's. I mean, I've only been doing it a couple of years, but I definitely learned a lot from being in the water and getting to see them in their natural habitat, how you know curious they are and different patterns throughout the day that I wouldn't have ever known.
0: so so let's just let's let's start from day one here because i truthfully don't know shit about this so how the heck do you get into spear fishing or or whatever these proper terms are i don't even know so talk to us like we're ding-dongs here because me and producer dude we're we're we don't know ding-dongs we're ding-dongs
2: how do you get into it like what kind of gear you need or just
0: well i mean just even maybe a little more than that like i mean yeah, the like there's you people jump in the if, water and
2: swim with fish well, if you
0: want to if you want to be a professional basketball player you, you know you get a basketball for twenty dollars you know in the dollar store and then you go shoot you know at a, at a park right like i mean you not that it's not accessible but it's not as much i wouldn't think like i mean like producer dude i mean do you know hey if i give you 500 bucks in, in you know 10 hours where are you going to go buy a spear gun for wallace? Like,
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so kind place. of just how did you get started how, i mean how did this start
0: yeah i
2: mean my brother just posted some pictures on uh facebook of a tournament he did with the michigan spearfishing association and uh me being the underwater adventurer that i was you know being a lifeguard i just was like hey i just moved back from california actually and uh, i'd been out there diving for lobsters and grabbing them by hand and i was like hey i want to check this out and try it it's essentially it was exactly like bow fishing just you got to go underneath the water and so I tried it. They had all the gear for me. I had a wetsuit, like a surfing wetsuit. Um, cause that water, you know, it gets cold, uh, you know, fins, a mass snorkel. And, uh, that's pretty much all you really need to get into the water. The gun, you know, was a little bit extra, but, uh, you get in and you start, you know, you learn real quick, like, okay, you know how to hold your breath and how to equalize your ears because of the pressure from uh, that. And then you just what we were doing is finding structure, finding any kind of break walls or anything that we could find that you could swim alongside of and just try and find fish.
0: So there is a producer do we've learned already very quickly. Cause we are ding dongs here, but there is an association in Michigan for this. Is this yeah. like, is this held in a, in a church basement or like what, what's going on here?
2: It's, you know, it's just a little website and a little club that we put on a little tournament every year. Cause there's only, you know, maybe 50 or 60 of us that really do this,
0: you know, that's 40 more of, than I thought, but okay.
2: <laughs> any kind of consistency. And, uh, you know, you got a n- little bit of new people coming in here and here and there, but, uh, we just kind of have a little association just for our crew, just for, uh, I don't know, just for the club charter or whatever. And then, uh, that's just kind of how you get your name in for, uh, you know, just like walleye association, you know, walleye fishing association, the uh, salmon you know, charter associations and things of that nature. They all have associations. Associations can give feedback to the DNR and the Natural Resource Commission, and that kind of is how you become part of the fishing community. So that's why they started it, to get involved in the community and ultimately have what we had happen here was get more opportunities.
0: So do you know off the top of your head, ballpark, like how many states even have laws that allow this? Nine. Nine inner
2: non coastal inner like inland states. Like Can Montana, name all? Utah, Arizona, Arkansas, um, Wisconsin, North and South Dakota, Michigan. Uh I think there's a couple more in there now. But most and that's for and I when I say that I mean game fish. Most all states except like I think maybe Florida doesn't have rules regarding uh freshwater rough fish spearfishing.
0: So like we can go shoot carp no matter where we're at pretty much. Exactly. But yep. if you want to take a game fish for people that don't know, that would be like a, a largemouth bass. That would be a walleye stuff like that.
2: Yes. Yeah. Very. Yeah. There's about nine non-coastal um, states that allow freshwater spearfishing a game fish. So I you, have so
1: many questions. From so, yeah, many so, here. so you, but you went through a whole process to get this legalized here in Michigan, right? Talk about that process and what you had to do to get this on the map here in Michigan.
2: It's a whole rigmarole, man. I, I'll tell you what, I went in front of the natural resource commission and just told them about what spearfishing was and the physical challenges and the opportunities as far as seasonality goes because of the water. Temperatures kind of restrict you. Water clarity restricts you, and things of that nature. And I just kind of gave them the whole, you know, hey, what do we got to do to get this opportunity to expand? Because right now, all we're shooting is rough fish: your bowfin, your carp, your suckers. And we were like, hey, we want to shoot fish that we can actually eat. You know, we don't want to just shoot fish and throw them away. And that's you know a big kind of barrier for a lot of people. They don't want to, you know, involve themselves in a sport where you just shoot fish and throw them away, which a lot of people were doing. So I just kind of told them about that. And they were like, well, go talk to the fisheries division of the DNR. And I talked to them, showed them videos. They talked with those other states that um, have freshwater spear fishing opportunities for game fish. They told them why they do it and the effects of it. They came back to me and said, Hey, let's make up an order. We'll we'll put it in front of all, our, all of our warm and cold water resource steering committee meetings. Like those are the, the groups of anglers that have those associations and we're going to get their feedback on it. And I was there for those, and I kind of talked everybody through it, showed them what it was. Uh, Jordan with Michigan Out of Doors helped me do an episode to explain what it was, and just over those you know, three years and moving through COVID uh, kind of slowed it down a little bit. But just talking with people, explaining what it was, um, just opening up a minimal waters, and then we have to report everything we do. And that you know, over three years, we just got it passed to uh, allow for uh the northern pike, the lake trout and the walleye on certain portions of Lake Michigan and Lake Huron.
0: Producer, dude, are you shocked that this could be done in three years with the government?
1: <laughs> and during COVID. That's <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and it's Michigan. No offense. Yeah. Guys. they were receptive and i mean no one you know put roadblocks in front of you or anything i mean what were some of the challenges uh
2: explaining to people you know how you're gonna tell the size of fish underwater when you're swimming down there with it Uh, a lot of people worried about that um people a lot of people worried about you know over harvest of like trophy fish was a, a big worry or um Uh, over or pike was another weird one i didn't nobody i nobody really thought about pike was going to be an issue but then everybody was like oh you're going to shoot all the pike and then everybody in lake superior actually that was the reason lake superior got removed from the orders because everybody thought we were going to shoot all these giant lake trout or something so uh they got rid of that part but uh it's just a three-year trial they want everybody to um to report and just kind of see who's doing it when they're doing it and how many fish are really you know ultimately harvesting what kind of impact we're having because this isn't catch and release this is you know purely to harvest fish for eating so that's uh, a, a factor for them they're like hey you know a lot of people catch and release or whatever what about you know those people and, and they're in the matter and so those are all the kind of things well. you gotta work through
0: and that's, you know, I started looking through some of the comments on your stuff and I'm like, dude, you could be a professional fisherman with the haters that you're getting coming at you <laughs> with some of that stuff. Right. And, and, but the funny thing is, 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 it, you know, I don't even know where I stand on this to be perfectly honest. Cause I'm so naive and, and coming in just, but open-minded, but I would tell people that are like not even open-minded at all, or maybe they're, they're coming at where I'm at with this and be like, listen, I know an awful lot of fishermen that are shitbags, And these guys take fish and they roll them around on the carpet. They hang them out for pictures for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? They lay them around on the floor of their boat. They got slime coat off. And then they're like, Oh, look at me. Release this fish. I'm such a good human being. (laughs) And you're like, no, you're a shit bag. Uh, (laughs) You know? And so that guy, like, Again, there's so many places where you see guys rip hooks out and they throw fish back that are bloody. And it's like, you may be releasing that fish, but that fish is not going to live. Like mortality rates on this. Or if you catch a fish in the summertime that's 75 feet down, you know, which, which we do. Right. Like that fish is dead as a doornail, bro. It just is. And that's like one with my guide service. So that's like a catch and go home trips. We don't do catch and release at that time there because it's, it's catch and kill. So again, like where I'm going with that is if somebody goes out on one of those trips, you know, like, let's say with me in a boat Mm -hmm. and they're like, yeah, we keep our, however many fish limit, 15, 18, whatever, depending where you're at. And then they're like, Oh, but we released 40 fish. And you're like, you probably killed 50 fish, 60 fish today. Versus you going out and you taking five and you're like, I'm out. And you could be more specific. I almost think that this is actually, again, I haven't thought this through, but it almost seems like it's even more conservation oriented because you can, you're literally choosing your
2: hunting. Selective, you're choosing. Uh, yeah, selective, har- selective harvest. You know, I see a school of 10 fish. I'm not shooting at 10 fish. I'm shooting at a fish and I harvest that fish. And I don't touch, handle, or harm any other fish in that process.
0: But and you know what, I think maybe some of the stuff came from, because again, back in the day, right? Like everything was like a different world as far as, you know, like guys who were fishing in the Dakotas. Now you got Facebook and I know what happens in the Dakotas fast as I know what happens at yeah. my back door. Right. And, and there, there are guys that I have been doing this out there for a long time. Yeah. Legal or not legal or whatever. I'm just, everything I know. legal
2: that in, this, in the Dakotas, yes
0: yeah yeah that's been going on a long time and and part of the heat that those guys were taking was is when you go fish a tournament out in some of those bodies of water let's say 20 pounds wins it so that's mm-hmm. like a four pound average like you're the man and these dudes were slapping some freaking eights nines tens Ooh. and aboves on rocks and all of a sudden people are having a big problem with that so yeah. i guess where, where do you stand with that too i mean are you trying to to shoot a 10 pound walleye because you're like that's the that's the trophy, like if you were deer hunting, or is this more of like where are you at with that?
2: That's a great question, actually. So I'm I'm most of the fish I'm harvesting are between like three and like five and six pounds. Those are like the majority of the fish you're gonna get. There's a majority of the fish you're gonna see. The bigger fish. They're kind of weird. They kind of hang out by themselves sometimes earlier in the spring. You'll see them a little bit more schooled up, but they're pretty skittish. They don't, they don't like hanging around you. I've only shot one fish that was 10 pounds and, uh, it was, we're, g-
0: we're going to get into the sp- specifics of that a little later. So don't get too okay. deep on that one. yet. Okay, That's cool. on my little, my hit list.
2: <laughs> okay. But, uh, I would say that absolutely at some point in time, if you see a big fish in your, you know, spearfishing, uh, ventures you're going to you're going to want to har- harvest it. i think everybody wants to do that some point or another they want to get that big fish you want to put it on the wall or something but at a certain point i think you know with a certain skill level comes a certain amount of responsibility sure i can get a 10 pounder and i have access to them but just because i do i don't want to do that all the time because at a certain point you're you're going to overrun your own resource just like if you shoot too many bucks or smaller bucks or, you know, too many bucks in one area, you're going to eventually run all your bucks out of there or whatever the case is. So I, oh. I definitely think that's going to be an individual choice, but I myself have already felt as soon, as soon as I got my trophy fish, I was like, okay, I'm good. On my, I'm good on a bigger fish. I'm I'm going to take my normal fish or my one or two or whatever. and I'm going to keep on the, the size of the fish that I like. Cause especially with the bigger fish and you start getting to those upper tens, you're gonna start getting the fish that aren't as quality eating like your, you know, three, four, five pounders are.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I just had this maybe about four or five days ago with a group of guys from not anywhere near here. And they they've caught big fish. They've done this a long time. Their guys have been fishing walleye's longer than I've been alive. And you know, we caught like a fish It was like 10 and a half or something. I mean, it was it was a giant, still had eggs in it. And we took a bunch of pictures, put it back in the lava, it was in great shape, and the guy was like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I said, I can't mandate this, you know, but I said, if you, if you're telling me, cause I knew they weren't going to mount it. I'm like, if you are going to take this to the gut pile and just eat this thing, like, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to throw it over the side. Yeah. <laughs> and there, and, and there was, you could definitely see there was a division, like one guy was like, what the, f-? and the other guy was like, well, eh. I'm like, seriously, as your ego that big that you need to go to a fish cleaning station to whack this thing. And then you're going to look at the meat. And you're going to be like, what the heck? Right. Like yeah. it just, and again, I think it's no different than with your deal. Right. Like once you kind of done it, like, do you, do I need to do this again?
2: Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I shot a big pike this, this year too, last year. I'm sorry. And um, you know, it kind of came right into me. It was like the second pike I ever seen this summer and I harvested it and I pulled it up and I was like, okay, I've done it. I'm, you know, I'm going to keep my pike, you know i'm gonna make sure i stay away from the big ones in that regard too so so i, think I guess let, let's look back up a little bit are gonna i mean I, and that's another thing i think too it's like i don't think just because you go spearfishing means you have access to a larger amount or more more um big fish just because you're spearfishing you still have to be in the areas that these fish inhabit and and where you know just like seasonal things where they spawn and where they feed and those kind of things you have to know all those things in order to be on those fish just because you're in the water don't mean the fish are going to be there
0: so I mean, uh, and again, you know, it's like if we're trolling my boat, like me and producer dude have done for almost fourteen years, I think now, like there, you know, there's miles where you just don't have jack, or you a you know, little bit. I mean, when you're limited to basically you quite literally swimming, like yeah. I mean, how often do you just go out there and you don't see shit?
2: Well, <laughs> more often than not, I've, I had a couple of years where I wasn't allowed to shoot walleye, where I was finding spots that walleye were inhabiting. But I mean, the first three or four, no, first four trips I went on in May of last year, because we were all excited, went out to Agra and, and Linwood, and we tried to get on them. First four, four trips, we didn't see a single fish. We trolled in, caught one, <laughs> but first four trips of the year, we didn't have anything. After that, we went to, you know, back into early June, the water started to clear up. Water temperature started to come up in those mid-50s, and those fish started to come in closer to shore. And that gave us a lot, a lot more access to, to actually get limits. Uh, most of the times we went up.
0: So, so let's back up a little bit. Since we're talking about ding dong fishermen, it don't matter if you got a spear gun or boat or kayak or whatever it is, Yeah, <laughs> like diver flags, like, on, I, you know, I live right, literally right on Lake Erie and we have a lot of people scuba dive here. I wouldn't say a lot, maybe that's not a good word, but it's not uncommon. Right. And like, I know what a dive flag is. I travel around to spend some time in the Keys. A lot of people, I think that they think that that's a buoy that they need to drive around, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Whether it's brown bag or alcohol induced or just dipshits. So, jet skiers. Um, <laughs> oh, they're the
2: worst. producer, dude. Producer,
0: dude is a jet skier. Take uh, your licks right now, producer, dude. Do, do you do you know what a dive flag looks like? Nope.
1: See, never seen one. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's like, that's <sighs> a
2: jet ski flag. You go at it and you ride around.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Run laps, right? So, yeah. again, with this thing, because, again, uh, let's see, there's 50 or 60 of you in the entire state of Michigan or whatever, right? Like, people, the, the general boater or producer, dude, because he is really a jet skier, mm-hmm. responsible one, I'll give him that, but – these people that aren't familiar with this, right? Like they don't know what a dive flag is. Like we're not in the Florida Keys. Like this is not an everyday thing. We're not in, you know, in Key Largo here. So how much education goes into that or how many issues have you had just from just like, I mean, that's a serious safety concern.
2: Yes, 100%. I haven't had a ton. Um, you just want to stay away from the areas where the boats are most common. If, you know, if the more boats coming by, the the higher likelihood of of people not knowing what it is. So that's just, uh, Hey, my safety first, I'm not going to go in high traffic areas and yell at everybody else. Cause they don't know what my, you know, what my diver down flag is. And for those people who don't know, it's very simple. It's just a, you know, one by one red flag with a diagonal white stripe in it. Divers have to stay within a hundred feet of it and boats aren't to operate a combustion engine within, I think it's 200 or 250 feet of that diver down flag. That's the law. Now, People who are being responsible and going reality, <laughs> people who are going slowly and are actually able to make course corrections within you know 30, 40, 50 feet or whatever. I have no issue with them passing through an area that's maybe near to me as long as they can see the area, see who's in the water, and make course corrections. I've never had any issues with people coming too close as far as like when they see you, they know, oh, I need to stay a little bit further away. But as long as you're going slow. I've never had any issues with anybody or felt like in fear of my life or anything like that.
0: So producer dude, I want you to visualize this where I'm going with this next question. Like let's pretend country Steve wants to get into spearfishing. Oh yes. I love this. Think <laughs> about that. Like in a bikini, probably <laughs> yeah. a bikini. We're going right? to
2: do down themed bikini
1: too. I think we got a whole video shoot planned from this already. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
0: We are not. People are like, oh, take the high road. Like, do we even know where that where that is? We don't we don't even, we, we, we couldn't find it if we tried. But so let's say country Steve, because he's always fun to throw under the bus. He wants to get into this. Obviously, there's not really a lot of equipment. We mentioned you gotta have the spear yeah. gun itself. You probably want a wetsuit for most of the season because of the water clarity. You gotta have a dive flag or you're going with someone that does. Yep. Um what else, I mean, do you really need To get in there if we wanted to tag along with you on this
2: just fins a mask and a snorkel those are like number three those are the big three um that's that gets you in the water and swimming the fins just help you move faster more efficiently through the water snorkel keeps your face in the water so you can actually look around while you're you know so you can breathe while you're looking around so you don't have to keep taking your head in and out of the water um you know just a well-fitted mask um after that, like you said, I mean, it's really just, that'll get you snorkeling. I mean, that's what. So
0: it, are you using like a weight belt too?
2: If, if you need one, uh, that's all depending on you, right? How thick is your wetsuit? Uh, how, you know, what is your, like, uh, what's your, uh, body fat content or your buoyancy level or whatever. Right. The, the more buoyant you are, the more weight you're going to need me. I don't need that much weight. I usually use like, I don't know, five, six pounds. And I use about a five millimeter wetsuit for most of the season. So when I wear a three mil, I don't even, I don't even really need weight. And that all depends also how deep you're going. If you're only diving, you know, 12, 15, 20 feet, uh, probably gonna need a little bit more weight just because you're going to be, uh, fighting that buoyancy more. But once you get below like 20, 25 feet, you become more neutral or negative buoyant and you'll stay on the bottom. So that that weight
0: becomes less necessary. Do you ever do this with technically scuba diving? No. I'm is not that
2: legal to dive. do? No, it is not. That was part of the process. People were concerned about uh, like fair chase and scuba diving, giving you an unfair advantage to be underwater for a significantly longer time and things of that nature. So um, not, and most people I know don't do it just because it's a ton of gear to haul around. And it's pretty, it's, you know, spearfishing is generally already pretty expensive as it is then add another 2500 3000 worth of uh scuba diving gear and it's like you know you want to be light and and easy in and easy out when you go spear fishing so not a lot of people Producer, do dude. with the scuba I think, gear I,
0: I think country steve might be out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cuz <of the>, well, <laughs> i know he might
2: be out yeah i can't breathe in you, underneath this, the water. did you
0: say no yeah. comment
1: i said no comment i had a comment but i'm not going to say it
0: Okay, <laughs> look at you taking the high road that you didn't yeah. know where it was at. <laughs> okay, so that's interesting. again, legally wise, because I just start thinking again, I, I realize, you know I, I always think walleye, 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 right, mm-hmm. and that's just some of your stuff that I've seen, but uh I, because walleyes, again, you think about generally speaking, yes, in the spring and the fall, shallower, maybe, but generally speaking, still like somebody's like, oh, they're shallow, well, maybe twenty feet is shallow where they're at, like where I'm at now. But yet if you got a, if you got a snorkel and you got to dive down or get in range or or visibility, like all of a sudden 20 feet miles will be 200.
2: Yeah. It can be a lot more. uh, I mean, a lot of people just think that, you know, Oh, 20 feet, I can walk 20 feet in five steps or whatever. And it's like, um, like I said, put, you know, go to a, a recreational pool and the deep ends, you know, at the most, usually 13 feet at the most, it's 10 or 13 feet. Swim down to the bottom, see how long you can stand on the bottom and swim around. And not only that, you know, the not more aggressive you swim, yeah, the more aggressive you swim, the faster those fish swim away. You know, the the more you lay on the bottom and, and do nothing or just wiggle your finger and give them a reason to come around, that's where you're gonna get most of your fish at. The the more, you know, like I said, the aggressive you swim, or more you s- swim at them with like intent, they instantly say, Nope, I don't want anything to do with this, and they'll swim away. And you'll never, you'll never be able to swim to catch them.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do a lot of work with meat eater and they've got a few people that are contributors like myself that I think they're in Hawaii is where they're based out of. And I've, you, there's some crazy stuff with that because those people are going down like that's they're, like, they're athletes. I mean, they're, yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're I almost, they're down walk, there. So like, Kimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Kimmy yeah. was one of them. Yep. Yep.
2: Yep. She's a yeah, crazy athlete. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just just the holding the breath and they're like basically stalking and they're it's just that's a whole different ball of wax. I mean, it's
2: a lot of fun. Though. Like, you're good at it, you're like ooh.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued by this whole thing. the The non scuba diving thing that that I, I guess that surprised me a little bit. But I mean that that would be. It would make it way easier to put a serious dent in things if someone could do that too.
2: Well, I mean, true, but I'd also say that DNR makes the regulations for a reason. And as long as you're following the regulations, I mean, how, no. how effective can you really be, right?
0: I think from my standpoint, I think it's better it isn't as a guy that doesn't do it, right? Like, right. I, 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 There's just a lot less issues probably with shenanigans, and there's a lot less ability for somebody to maybe get into trouble with things, right? Like, because if you're limited with that stuff, it's just, it's like the difference between a bow and a rifle, like right there's a difference i mean (laughs) for sure leave it at that but so let's get into some of the stuff that that i'm probably most intrigued with and i think the people that are our followers because i don't know how many guys are going to go buy a spear gun after talking this maybe a few who knows right maybe they'll call you up do you do are you doing any uh do you like offer guided trips with this or
2: i i do like i said there's so few people who do this i mean we're a pretty tight-knit community just hop on the facebook group and just be like hey i want to try i want to go out and you know almost all the time you can find somebody who's like hey we're going out you know this weekend you know what kind of gear you got this is what you'll need you know and uh come on out find you know bring so, gear or buy gas buy food whatever
0: so i'm sure like you know it's just like fishing like i use g loomis rods and those are not cheap but you could buy yourself an ugly stick right like so it with with the spear gun itself like what are the ranges of like this is just bare minimum to like, this is the Cadillac.
2: So yeah, if you're doing freshwater, like your max range, like 12, maybe 15 feet at the most. And that's, that's pushing it. You know, you probably shouldn't be taking that shot at 15 feet if, if that's the shot you're taking. Um, but the range really doesn't change that much. Like the water just kills that spear. So you got a really heavy spear and you put basically all you can do is put bands on it. Right. And more bands you put on it, not necessarily the further it'll go, but the more force it'll have when it gets there. Cause you're limited by a, a lanyard essentially on the spear itself, which uh, I think according to the state of Michigan can't be more than 20 feet long. So by definition, you're already limited to 20 feet, but most of those guns, those spears just don't have the accuracy or the punch to get out to 20 feet, especially what we're using. Cause a lot of these fish are used in, in, cover, you know, on rocks and things of that nature. So a more powerful gun is even worse in that situation. Cause if you hit a rock, you're going to basically destroy your shaft. And once you destroy your shaft, you're done. So you don't want to do that. Right. So small, shorter guns with a couple bands are usually the, uh, you know, the go-to, you can get a decent gun for about 200, 250 bucks. Um, or you can get a nice custom gun, a wood gun or something like that. And you can spend, you know, well, really, as much as you want, but a good custom gun is going to cost you a $1, thousand, twelve hundred bucks.
0: So, on, on the actual, I guess it would be a not an arrow, but a bolt, right? So, on that, is that definition wise? The, the
2: yeah, proper just I've spear shafts.
0: Okay. So, on the spear shaft, like the point itself, is it just literally like looking like a bullet shape, or is there something else on there that like keeps the retention like you had when you're um, shooting a bow for like carp?
2: So yeah, there's these little things to call them shark fins that hide on the, on the back of the fin. And we have these on the actual band itself. It's called a wishbone. You just load that right on there. And that holds that tension. You have a trigger mech on there. And then, um, on the end of that spear, it looks almost like it depends on, you know, different manufacturers have different styles of points or whatever, but it's just hardened steel. And some of them have like, almost like a trocar tip. Like you'd find on a, like a, uh, like a broadhead and and a flopper some of them have two floppers some have single floppers but once that goes through the fish that flopper opens up and just like a barb on a hook it just kind of finds something on the fish and holds them on and that's how you get them in
0: interesting producer dude are you are you thoroughly at the edge of your seat right now i am
1: intrigued this sounds fun um
0: (laughs) I can just see him on the back of a jet ski looking like a (laughs) Rambo one in each hand.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to ask the, I'm going to ask the question you probably get a lot is how long do you stay underwater?
2: Okay. So your general, most people I go with longer than me, 30 to 45 (laughs) seconds. If they're comfortable in the water, Um, I'm I've trained and I, you know, I run and I do breath work and I've taken free diving classes. And I've kind of learned how to be more comfortable in the water and I can hold my breath for about two minutes while I'm oh. underwater actively searching.
0: Wow. That's, that's huge. Like that's the yeah. difference between you're no Kimmy. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, you're right. doing it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I've touched a hundred, almost 100, 93 feet on the line. So I've been able to dive down 93 feet and come back up on a single breath.
1: Now, when you go in, how far away from, like you find fish, right? Do you, do you have like a sonar and you look for fish, but the sonar, or you just know the spots and you go in and hope they're there. I mean, how does that work? I
2: just get in. We tried the sonar thing back when we were in, uh, Linwood and, and trying to find them. We, we were marking fish and we jump in the water and look around and we just never were able to locate fish like that. And that's when we started to learn that it's just a temperature and a time of year thing. And when it gets to a certain point, Then you just start hitting structure near shore and that's when we started finding fish. And so we just kind of stuck with that. That being said, we swim miles some days to, to get a limit of fish. I mean, one day it was like six hours and I probably swam two and a half miles to get six fish or five fish. It was like a significant amount of work to, to get the fish. (laughs) It was six fish. total. I think Riley got one and I got five. And and the more you swim, the more you're kicking, that's when your endurance kicks in. Cause I can't hold my breath two minutes every dive when I really push myself and I really relax and I, you know, get a good breath. I can get down there and stay down there for about two minutes, but on a normal, when I'm swimming around, especially at the end of the day, I'll be lucky to, you know, get over a minute on a dive.
0: So I think the the thing that kind of comes up and it's like a three prong kind of question, I guess, but it all comes down to location. So you know, like restricted waters versus like from what I'm hearing from you right now, summertime is probably not the best time to do this, right?
2: No, sometimes is the best time to do this.
0: Really? Because yeah. I would think just the depth thing or something, but so give me like location stuff. We're not asking for exact spots, but mm-hmm. more of like, are there places that you can't do this because of the regulations or yeah. restricted waters or yep. is, you know, is there places just like, like Lake St. Clair has... Generally speaking, clean water, you know, Lake Mm -hmm. Huron, super clean water Um, where Erie can be greener. It's more fertile. Right. Deal. So like maybe that's not as good. So give me a little bit on that location thing or or where you, you know, put in or say this is a we wouldn't even go to this lake, for example, or time wise.
2: Right. So I'll just I'll start with the waters that are available in Michigan currently for the new game fish. Um, Tribal waters, uh, part of that consent degree that just got renegotiated. Um, we are not in any consent waters currently. So basically from Grand Haven North on Lake Michigan is out of the question and everything from Alpena North on Lake Huron is out of the question and Lake Superior got, uh, next all So we are exclusive on Lake Michigan and Lake Huron for the walleye, Northern Pike and Lake trout. No Lake St. Clair, no St. Clair river, no Detroit river, no Lake Erie. And we will not be in any of those waters. That was part of what we talked about. And we talked with a lot of the walleye guys and a lot of everybody, they just bass guys included. They were just like, Hey, you know, we don't have any problem with you doing this. Everything kind of like North of, uh, like St. Clair and the St. Clair river, basically here on and, and like Michigan up, we don't have any problem with that. But the big, you know, the big fishing, you know, I think it's like 35, 37% of all catch came out of Lake Erie. So a lot of people were just they want to really protect that spot, and they're like, "Hey, if you're happy with these lakes, well, you can have those lakes, and we won't, you know, we'll be a party in favor of." So that's kind of how that. So,
0: worked. do you think that was just because of number of anglers? Like, hey, let's not make this an issue because there's so many people at the party down here compared that's
2: to a lot of yeah people at the table were like, "Hey, you know, this is our spot," you know, essentially was what they were saying, and they were just like, "Hey, if you want us on your side." you know, you got to make a deal with us. We, you stay out of here and we'll let you go over here. And I was like, Hey, it's, you know, you can't let perfection get in the way of progress. You know, we're just trying to get in and get some fish for ourselves. And, you know, hopefully over time doing podcasts like this, more people will kind of come to an understanding and, you know, and ultimately we're a community and we're going to make decisions as a community. And, you know, if that results, whatever the results are, what the results are. So, that's kind of how that goes. Um, As far as like going, you know, I love hate Lake Huron. Like you said, I mean, some of the water you're gonna see some of that footage. You're gonna be like, wow, that water is just absolutely stunningly clear, and I love that kind of stuff too. <laughs> um, but I mean, we just, I mean, whether it's boats or, or shore diving or whatever, when the summer comes in, those fish start to come in, and they love weeds. And I tell you what, I was shocked. And how many fish congregate in areas that are like pier fishing areas? I couldn't believe it. Some of the most, some of the highest density of fish I've ever seen are been within casting distance of the shore.
0: So have we learned, is there a certain type of weeds? Cause this is where I think, you know, obviously some people listen to this for however many minutes are like, ah, oh, this is kind of cool. But then, you know, we, we want to learn some shit. So, yeah the type of weeds that you have now i realize from lake huron to someplace else this could change quite a bit but have you noticed especially if it's different bodies of water how the type of weeds matter or is yeah. there anything from a
2: they love cabbage that's mostly what we got you'll find some coontail but mostly uh, mostly cabbage they just love it and they love it um kind of sporadic not too thick when it gets too thick they don't like it it just seems like a little bit of crabgrass on the bottom is fine, but they just like tall stringy stuff where they can just kind of chill in there. I got, you'll see more footage of it. I'll have it in there, but they just kind of float right in the middle of them. And we would take, when we couldn't spear them, we'll take, um just a spool line and just jig head in a minnow and we'll just swim over top of them and just jig them just like that
0: <laughs> so so well I, I think a lot of that's probably oxygen related if you're talking yeah. in the summertime but so how deep of water are we talking with these
2: you can see the bottom 12 15 feet sometimes
0: you know well, i think they're that, probably less that, spooky too
2: that varied depending on the day too they seem to be deeper when the sun was higher and then as it as the sun set, they would move in closer to the rocks i don't know if that's because crayfish come out or the or the minnows were you know perch or whatever were hiding in there that's textbook
0: it's... man that's textbook okay well, well i mean it's... that's what you always hear like yo know, i mean since you know 30 years ago and we didn't have all the fancy stuff people was always say high sky you know go deep and low, okay, yeah, yeah. Know, low...
2: Well, i mean like it wasn't super deep but i mean where the weeds were and then that was the deepest part of that area or that weed bed would generally speaking where, where you would find them at
0: have you even seen when when you get in some of those those weed you said they're kind of in the sparse stuff but like when it's higher skies do they get buried into the bottom of these weeds for suspending or
2: well sleep right on the bottom i mean they just lay right on the dirt and don't move a muscle right in the bottom not particularly necessarily under anything but they will lay flat on that ba- on the bottom on that sand whatever it is and they'll just lay there not move a muscle
0: Producer, dude, we've seen that while filming a few shows together through the years. Yeah. Moving a muscle. Yeah we've we've seen a few sleeping fish in our time and interesting i mean i think this is the stuff that like and keep hitting me with these things because i think this is the stuff that again regardless if you're into spearfishing or not or whatever like you can just benefit from this first-hand knowledge like i always tell people like you know i, I work with aqua view and use AquaViews, and it's like it's a game changer for me for learning stuff but still it's like a horse with blinders on compared to what you're seeing you know you can only see so much with that camera right and you got and you're attached to the cable like and yeah, I still think that limited. the boat, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing at what it does, but you're, you're, you're still just to your point of, you know, you got a boat driving across that may spook them before you even get a chance to see where they truly are at in a weed bed.
2: They don't care one lick about boats.
0: Dude, you better stop that, because I'm gonna I, tell you right now.
2: I I've never seen a, them get spooked by a boat or anything. Never once. Now I'm
0: showing. I I think you're a better spear fisherman than a boat fisherman. When I, I tell you, I, like I, that. I
2: couldn't. I was like, I know people say be quiet and you know don't make a lot, and I just I have not seen anything. I mean, I'm dude. I
0: come. I, I can tell you it, that. They just. I can tell you that's that is maybe not always the case, but definitely I I've watched when we've been ice fishing in 30 some feet of water where a guy drops a thermos on the ice with cameras and mega live and watch a, a whole school just on And then you're like, you're like, ah, oh, maybe, maybe that was just a coincidence. Yeah. And then you do, you know, the guy does it again and you're like, Oh my God. Like they, and again, all the time. No. I mean, it's just right. when they're on and they don't care, they don't care. But um, walleyes in particular are crazy spooky And that's like some of the stuff i was hoping to, you know to pick up from you is when you're watching these things i mean i've seen videos where guys scuba diving you know go down and the bubbles cause them to you know those fish to take off and then other times guys literally go over again and grab them um you know like divers that are picking up lures and junk will go grab of, them
2: i think a lot of that has to do with uh i think that's kind of almost like a a woman that's almost like a personality trait, right? Some people are just skittish and anxious and other people are like, Oh, what's up? I'll, you know, it's just like deer hunting. Sometimes a deer walk out into a field and just look at you, whether they smell you or whatever it is. And then other days they'll be right underneath your tree looking at you. And they're just like, what's up, dude? And I there, just there and a- have the same thing. Cause I'll do the same thing. Sometimes I'll see fish and I'll go to dive. And as soon as I start my descent, boom, they're gone. They just, don't want anything to do with me and other times i'll just die right down to them and they'll just be like what's up
0: <laughs> I, I don't think i've ever said this publicly but there's a couple guys in our neck of the woods i'll just say that that are really good bass fishermen that people know and they're su- certified scuba divers and they do it quite a bit and yeah. now especially with gopros and stuff yep. Yeah. old big daddy over here has seen the videos and and those guys will sit down on the bottom scuba diving and they will bang two rocks together and they will literally hand-feed crawfish or gobies or minnows or whatever yep. to smallmouth bass, right, to smallmouth. And they're just like pets. Like, they're almost inquisitive, you know what I mean? And and sometimes they literally will eat right out of their hands. Yep. Walleyes, I'm like, guys, they're like, dude, Ross, we have hundreds of hours under the water. They're like, walleyes, well, you could hand, you know, $100 bills. And it's just like, <laughs> no, no way. They're just...
2: I 100% agree with that. I've never had... Well, a small mouth are a, a totally different animal, but yeah, while I, they'll get close, but I've never had any, any time or even close to getting them to be like, I'm ready to eat from you. Uh, especially small mouth though. They, they just don't care. They'll swim right up to you, follow you around all day. they like, like you said, they're like little pets. They're just like, what's up dude. And then like I said, you start moving rocks and things. They start hearing that. That's another way to try and get fish to come in. you know, scratch on the ground, throw some, some soot or dirt in the air sometimes that if a fish is hanging out they might uh turn their you know, head gears, come on in see that's my that's worth a look
0: <laughs> okay so you know it's just like i don't care what you forget spear fishing or walleyes or whatever any type of fishing scenario you i could tell you or anybody else could if you do it long enough basically in direct um opposition of whatever that is like hey they like shallow no they like deep like you can have a million stories like that so but what are some things that you've learned over time with these fish that are like I i would call it a correlation or something you could say hey maybe we're missing out as boat anglers that we don't realize that these fish are doing this or like the weeds is an example of mm-hmm. that, right? Like most guys don't fish weeds enough. They're a pain to get your lures hung up or whatever. Right. What What are some other things as far as maybe, you know, like I think about contours, composition, bottom changes, you know, yeah. stuff like that or currents,
2: you know, anything where you get a some of my best spots. Current comes over, drops off transition rocks and sand or weeds or something like that. I mean every fish in the freaking lake seems to be there. You know, that could be sheephead it can be suckers it can be um you know smallmouth, largemouth, pike, uh walleye, suckers or uh carb or gar or whatever. I mean, it, when you get a good spot that has two or three you know habitat features or whatever, it just seems like everything will congregate there. There's like, oh yeah, current, perfect. Sand, perfect. Drop off, perfect. Uh, thermoclines are another big one. I noticed that uh, fish definitely will pick a warm or, or cold layer of that water to hide in. There or you know, whatever their preference is. So they always reference it seems to seem they seem to stay around the thermocline, but uh, whether it's a hot day and they want colder water or if it's a cold. Day and they want the warmer water. They'll just kind of be. I think a lot of that has to do when people find suspended fish. I think what they're doing is relating to that thermocline, where the colder water is down low, and that war little, that warm water is just a little bit above it, and they'll just hang out in that warmer water just above that thermocline. That's probably something I've noticed. Interesting. And the sleeping thing too. The sleeping thing. I think that was just crazy to me. I was just like. I thought there was something wrong with them because I was like seeing them and they're just laying on the bottom. They're usually tucked up next to a rock or something, or tucked in the rocks, and uh, they'll just literally lay there and like. I mean, you'll literally see the 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 sediment in the water that's on them because they've been laying there for so long, just zonked.
0: Wow, I was like, yeah, you know, producer dude, that's a question with all of our biology friends that we should ask. Like, do fish sleep or are they like
2: sleep? I mean, they, they you got to remember these are, you know, walleye, they call them walleye because of the reflective nature and the cloudiness of their eyes, which makes them a predominant night predator. And that is when they spend most of their time out foraging and, and getting a lot of their food. And that's why you'll, you'll see a lot of the, that the, the uh, action you call it, right. That morning action and the evening action will pick up most. And then your midday will usually be the slowest. I almost guarantee it's because they sleep. I know it's because they sleep, they do sleep, but I mean, when they're out all night, that's, they do have to eventually catch up and it's not like a full sleep like we would, but they definitely, I mean, I can, I've literally swam up and touched them and they'll just swim off and you know, like a rude awakening.
0: So we've learned that walleyes like to party yeah, (laughs) and they, they will sleep it off. Yep. Okay. Interesting. So is there any type of structure? Like, I mean, like, I I've learned stuff. I'm, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I'd like to see if it's a little different without baiting you too much here, but like, like size of rock, for example, because I I've learned some stuff by both using cameras and just fishing and maybe getting in the water here and there, but anything that you've learned with that, that seems to be from maybe a species or, or preference.
2: Um, so I've seen them. So in a lot of the spots where I'll dive, there'll be the big, the big boulders almost like car size rocks where they'll you know stack up for the break walls i've seen them in there um just kind of chilling in those rocks but mostly i see them i'll say just i mean i don't not nothing crazy just you know a two by two rock and yeah and just uh just rock usually and they just usually tucked up right next to it nothing nothing too crazy
0: get right up in those crevices
2: I mean, usually it's single rocks. I've seen them in like, in, you know, big groups of rocks or whatever, where they'll kind of find a nook. But most of the ones when I see when they're on the bottom, like a a place you could fish, for example, without, you know, being right up in the, you know, on top of these break walls. uh, Most of them are, you know, pretty wide open, spread out rocks, and they'll just kind of random. And I can't tell you how many I've swam past that I just didn't see because I was on the wrong side of the rock. Or you know maybe they were just really cam really well camouflaged that day they they tend to blend in really well um, but I they do they'll just lay right on those rocks and just just sit there
0: so if you're like out let's say at the Charity Islands for example like that water out there as long as we don't have a giant storm is like you could read a license plate on the bottom in twenty some feet right oh. and maybe if now we get more towards Linwood because I'm pretty familiar I spend a lot of time on Lake Huron if we mm-hmm. get more towards um you know linwood generally speaking that water is going to be a little more off colored right yeah yep. so is, is do, have you noticed where that helps you with not spooking these fish or that you can get up closer to them or that they're more active in the off colored water versus the the uh the super clean stuff
2: i uh yes it, it's, it's double edge, right? The clean water, you can see a lot more. So you can identify areas that are higher density in fish versus like when it's cloudier, you can get a lot closer to the fish. That's what I've noticed. Like when you got 12 foot of viz, be ready. Cause when you see that fish, you know, usually they're like, how, you know, what are you? And that's, that's when you can get your shot versus like, if I can see 25 feet, I'm going to need to be on the bottom laying and trying to attract them because most of the time they're going to swim away. So that being said this past summer, I had a really cool experience where we had a stiff East wind coming across Lake Huron and it blew a bunch of really cold, really clean water into this Harbor. And when those two, you know, one's probably 15 or 20 degrees warmer than the other water, but when those things met, they just, they don't blend, right? They, they push against each other. And those walleye, I mean, were right on the edge of it. They just, they were like, you could just kind of see their silhouettes hiding in there. And then they'd come out every once in a while, check you out. And then they'd go back in, but they definitely preferred. That was the first time I had a thermocline where it was like a, a vertical one instead of a horizontal one. Like it was a wall of water pushing in warm, pushing against warm water and they would stay in the warm water, but they would come into the clear uh clear cold water to check out the
0: that's area. super common on lake michigan too like beta Noc or green bay like super super yeah washington island all that stuff out there that where like you said it becomes a vertical wall so how much did you have you ever measured the temperature to see because again us fishing guys when you talk to a biologist like some of the guys we've had on the podcast before like you know we don't use the technical right terms or maybe it's not even technically a thermocline it's a temp break like I've been corrected by right. these guys all the time even though we're we're generally speaking right but you know how much temperature difference have you thought to measure it
2: I tell you what if you're not wearing gloves it hurts your hands so I mean to me that's a good solid 15 20 degrees um, the the only time I've measured it uh, I was with my buddy Shane and Aaron off. Um, this is before it was legal for the walleye, but we were on Lake Michigan on going out of Muskegon and we had a West wind that turned that water and we were 73 on the surface and 52 on the bottom and 30 feet of water, like a significant water temp. And here's another weird little fact. Fish are cold blooded, right? Will you change that water too fast, you'd switch that water too fast they'll go into shock and they'll just literally like freeze and lay on the bottom, almost in like a state of, uh, like vegetative state. And they won't, won't even be able to move when it changes too fast on them.
0: I've seen that while fishing. They don't bite.
2: <laughs> yeah. <they're> just, yeah. <laughs> yep. When, yeah. When the water temperature changes too fast and they're not ready for it, or they've been you know used to whatever degree of water and they have a switch come in, they just straight up can't function or just they're super, super slow
0: so so here's a question again because i disagree with you on the boat spooking fish thing but yeah <laughs> i just i don't know a week or so ago we looked over the side and we saw we were like in 40 feet of water which is relatively deep for us yeah. but and here i see this sheephead clear as day that's like when i say a foot below the surface right next to the boat i mean you could have you definitely could have grabbed it type of thing right yeah okay. and he's just kind of swimming along and in the past i've seen that with white bass you actually see that quite a bit I've seen it with walleye a handful of times where there's almost like, hey, are they disoriented or what the heck are you doing? Hmm. Um, and, and I know a lot of guys, you know, too, again, not to sidetrack this too much, but they catch walleyes that are very high in the water column, maybe five, okay. six yeah. feet down over 40, 50, 60 feet of water, something like that. Have you seen anything like that while you're scuba diving? Like, hey, w- oh my God, wait, there's some fish above me. Maybe you're going to resurface or what, what's been the oddest thing, you know, that you've come across that you're like, man, this is mind numbing as far as i wouldn't have guessed that this could take place
2: i've never seen anything nothing like that i nothing in the water column that i'm aware of that at least that i witnessed um from in the water um mind numbing thing man i outside of like the sleeping i can't really um
0: zombie fish
2: yeah yeah i mean yeah the sleeping and like the cold i can't really say anything outside of that that's been like yeah like all lightning or anything like that um i mean yeah fish just hang out man they all like to you know the, it's definitely it's just you know the nightclub of spots you know that's that's what i would call it It's just like when you find those all the right features in a spot and I've, all all the fish are there that's uh that's probably the coolest part i've, I've said it's like we come in there and you like I said there's just fish everywhere and you're just like oh wow this is incredible <laughs> that's so that's probably the best part but
0: you know one structural thing that you could obviously never really see with a camera or whatever or at least not fully understand it is a lot of bass guys rather it's you know thinking traditionally even shallower than what we're probably talking but mm-hmm. like guys will say hey on a, on a dock or something you know the fish are on the sh- on the shadow side or something have yes. you seen that with even like a rock you know on the bottom yes. or
2: that's really cool yeah um i was in alabaster actually you know the old gypsum plant that uh kind of protrudes out there um it was it was like late june or something like that mid-june and those old i don't know whatever they are the pylons that held up the uh the trolleys whatever they were um two walleye that i got out of there were each of them it was like i think it was uh two pylons apart each one was hiding in the shadows of those um of those uh pylons so that's a very unique thing because you can't see them when they're in the shadows unless they're skylined against the uh, the light on the other side. Usually they're kind of low in there. You can't see them until you get into the shadow because it's just like looking into a house from the dark. You can't see out of your house at night. But if you go standing in the street, you can see and, and see everything. So that was definitely something they are... Uh, what if
0: that's a protective deal yeah
2: i don't think it's protective. i think it's an opportunist thing they kind of hide in there i think it's just like oh i bet like you know i bet small fish probably do the same thing like oh i'll go hide in the shadows and then oh look mr Walleye's (laughs) waiting for him there same thing with small i don't i don't think that's particular to any one fish but i think predatory fish definitely will find the shadows to uh
0: to look ambition
2: yeah exactly
0: what, what about fish species together you know it's like a, a good short story for you is back when i used to fish a lot of tournaments we'd go through a spot and we'd pull like net crawler harnesses whatever you want to call them spinner rigs and we just catch the tar out of walleyes and we'd be like hey let's go back through there and me and producer dude have actually done this shooting videos too and we'll go right back through that pass that we just murdered the walleyes on and we'll run crankbaits you know trying to see if we can catch bigger fish or mm-hmm. or whatever and you go right back through that area, and you catch you catch some walleys, but you catch a ton of giant smallmouths. Like smallmouths love crankbaits, like trolling walleye crankbaits to yeah. <laughs> catch them in, in certain areas. And you're like, man, I never touched a single fish because smallmouth don't seem to like the night crawl harnesses, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But how how have you noticed anything with your own two eyes? You know, you know, with different species intermingling that you probably wouldn't think.
2: I've I definitely noticed that smallmouth and while I will absolutely hang out together. They have no issues with that. Um, I definitely noticed that the 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 big smallmouth from what I've kind of said, like those four five six pounders.
0: Or ten point one five. Yeah. Shameless shameless plug producer will put up there for our, our buddy Greg that caught the hey, smallmouth.
2: Um but right. they'll um the bigger smallmouth I've noticed. Hang out with the bigger schools of walleye, like the the. So you'll see two or three smallmouth, big ones. They'll hang out with a walleye, and then when you get a big school of smallmouth, I've seen you know walleye hanging out with them. So I've noticed that sheephead don't have any issues hanging out with walleye. Um, those are probably the big ones. I think the smallmouth and the drum. They all hang out, you know, oh, smallmouth, walleye, and drum. Catfish are a damn mystery to me, man. I know they hide in the rocks and then the logs, and I just barely ever see them. They are just a mystery fish. To me, I can tell
0: you, like, yeah, I can tell you that going way back. We're talking like twenty five years ago when I used to fish a bunch of tournaments on uh, Lake Huron that they we we used to catch catfish out there in that gin clear water even probably cleaner than it is now generally speaking Mm -hmm. and they'd be like three four feet down whether you are in the inner bay or the outer bay or even towards the charities like crazy high in the water column and they're like predators hitting crankbaits um weird
2: yeah i you know i always thought they hide like you go into cabela's and where do they where are they at almost always under a log or something like that and i was you know that's in my head that's where they're at but um, I mean, maybe that's just a flathead species. I've shot, you know, like channel cats or whatever. But I mean, for the most part, man, they are. Flat, just, yeah,
0: flatheads are different, Dion. Yeah, you, they're yeah, they're a little little bit, Yeah, they're a
2: little bit different. I could see where you you like a blue cat or a channel, you might be able to catch kind of doing their thing. Um, I just I just do not see them near as much as anything else. I mean, I just I'm I'm maybe i'm just not looking for them or maybe if i did a little bit more research and you know targeted their areas or whatever it is but um i think they're just i think they're just more uh, maybe just river bound or something like that i i really don't know i just i've never i don't like like i said when it comes to those big bodies of water and long big wide areas i just
0: maybe they camouflage better too i mean it's just like a walleye i mean (laughs) You know, you're like, oh, I could, you know, I could see a walleye, right? It's And then you see them in the water and you're like, God, those things camouflage so good until you see their belly, man. Like you can't even tell they're there.
2: Yeah. Well, I tell you what, when they get on the bottom too and they start sleeping, their color pattern breaks up a ton. You'll see it in those videos I'm going to send you guys. Um, I mean, super, I mean, you, you know, that traditional, that gold and kind of yellow white breakup they have that is nothing like that when they're laying on the bottom and they are all colored up. They are just all broken up. And you're like, wow, that is just a significantly different looking fish. And then when you get them off the bottom, they're like, Oh, that's a well, for sure <laughs> you know,
0: that, that brings up a good point. You know, when you catch walleyes and people always say, and again, we don't really know, but when you catch walleyes that are really dark, people usually say that that's from like a rock, you know, those fish are hanging out in rocks mm-hmm. and you get some, you catch some walleyes that are so they look like they're bleached out. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah i mean
0: they are they are like white 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 have you noticed anything with coloration based on where they are whether it's yeah, in weeds if or sand,
2: rocks? If they're on sand they they're going to blend in as good as they can to that sand so if that means lightening up their colors or doing whatever they got to do absolutely and then definitely being on those rocks they definitely break up in certain parts of them are dark and then they'll have Um, lighter colors the shadow fish like we were talking earlier when they're in the shadows they are significantly darker than their counterparts that run around in the in the sun
0: producer dude i think we have a question for travis now Uh, can these fish change their colors like
2: i can without a doubt they can change it whether they're doing it like cognitively or not i don't know i don't think they're i don't i wouldn't say they're like an octopus or something like that but they absolutely can
0: smallmouth i do I do know smallmouth can do that based on their stress levels. I've read about that with smallmouth yeah. where you catch one just black, black. We've actually, me and producer did when we filmed the TV show, we'd have it. You'd, you'd get one and you'd see the thing pitch black. He'd jump out and he's he's like, get him in the boat. He's like white. Yeah. It's that's, that's crazy difference. But, yeah. Hmm. so what, what else could you tell me that would help me be a better fisherman that you've kind of observed here? I mean, the, the weed thing is, I think, a big, I think, you know, shallow weeds is, is 100% an overlooked thing for guys they can just be difficult to fish and maybe we're lazy or or a lot of places people don't know to look there. A
2: bobber probably would do the trick. <laughs> or a minnow or something like that would probably be a killer in those weeds. I would I throw a dollar at that.
0: <laughs> have you have you ever seen a walleye actually like strike? Have you ever seen a walleye feed while you're underwater?
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a school of them in Tawas Bay. Um they were feeding on the perch and there was a big wall of weeds and the, uh, the perch were trying to hide in this wall of weeds. I don't know if they heard it. I'm pretty sure they herded it him in there or something, but they push them in there and they were just whoosh, whoosh, whacking at them left and right. And so I dove down to get, you know, get in the picture and try and get some, I got some video of that. And, um,
0: we, that we hundred percent want to see that. Okay.
2: <laughs> I dove down there, and I pull up and they're all like trying to get behind me. Cause they were like, you're blocking our our target here, and uh yeah, they they were going right after them. Now I've I've tried throwing like you said, throw gobies at them and stuff. They just swim away or whatever. But that was the that was the probably the best feeding frenzy I'd ever seen in the actual water was them going after them. Were both.
0: they were they pinning them suspended or they pin them to the bottom or?
2: It was, was it, yeah, it was a wall of weeds and they're probably about I don't know eight feet down. I mean the weeds probably came up to about five or five or six feet somewhere like that from the surface and that's when i could see them so that's when i dove down and when i pulled up they were all like what are you doing you know blocking us out but they had them yeah like vert in the you know middle of the water column in the weeds
0: what about picking stuff because i've seen a little bit of videos from the lenders about picking stuff off the bottom where they go in there You know, and they just, they're, they literally like nose down in. Like some of those fish even got all chewed up noses because they're beating crawfish up down in the bottom. Okay. Have you seen like feeding off the bottom at all?
2: I haven't seen that. This I have seen. When I'm out there swimming around and I find lures, I'll take a lure and I'll throw it, right? Just to see if I have, especially small, smallmouth are, are big for this. I'll take it and I'll throw it. I'll tell you this the faster it goes to the bottom, the better the reaction is. If I throw something and it starts doing this, they'll kind of look at it. But as soon as they see you know, if it has like a three-quarter or one-ounce jig head on there, and you throw that thing, and as soon as it starts running towards it, they go on that thing like, like madness. I, they love it, man. Something about something that's sinking and, you know, going towards that bottom fast is like an instinct for them to just attack it and go right after it.
0: So you're here's my, here's my closing question for you. Yeah. So the guy that kind of taught me the game, he always said, I hope I live long enough for you to, to see you enjoy a day in the lake. That was his thing to me. Okay. And at the time too young, too dumb. Don't get it. Right. But like, I get it now. Like you can't explain that to anybody. If you have to explain it, it's too late. Like, do you along those same lines? Like when you go out, you're a young guy, you're competitive, right? Like, do you have to shoot fish? Is it a bad day when you don't, or just seeing all that stuff and being down there, how cool it is. is almost, it's like taking a nature's hike really.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly why I started to do it more. It's just because it's not about it. Yeah. The more you do it, it's less about shooting fish. It's more about finding the fish and having those encounters with those fish. And then, um, yeah, just getting to observe them. And, you know, it, like I said, you come back, it's not like, Hey, look, I shot this wall. It's like, Dude, let me tell you this story or show you the video of these walleye and then always oh, throwing them. Yeah, like you said, feeding the smallmouth or whatever it is. It's like every time you do it, new things happen, right? It's never like it's the same school fish or this or that. You know, I haven't swam with a sturgeon yet. Really wanna do that. Uh, you know, it's just like those kind of things, you know, you just every time you hope to find some kind of new adventure, new experience, or have a lake trout or a salmon swim up to you, or like who knows? Like it's so many different opportunities that you just have to be out there in order to have that experience and have that encounter with that, you know, that fish you haven't done it with yet, you know, or whatever. So,
0: so I'm going to do something that's going to make producer dude cringe. I, I always close this out by asking somebody a question that I did not allow them to prepare for nothing okay. crazy, but he always cringes because everybody chokes. So John, here's the deal. Are you going to choke? Well, producer no. dude, What do you 50, 50? I mean, I don't know, but I, I in all seriousness, like what is the one thing you want to put out there? Or what is the one thing along those lines, whether you're defending yourself as a spear fisherman, because again, you look at the comments on there, people that just like to run their mouth or whatever. What is the one thing you want to get out there that we need to know about spearfishing to kind of plead your case that would, you know, quiet the people that are making stupid comments online or that somebody trying to get into this should know.
2: It's not as easy as shooting fish in a barrel. If anybody says
0: that,
2: oh look, he shot a spear or a walleye in the face. Must oh, so hard. And it's like you didn't see anything up to that point. You seen, and that's probably partially my fault, right? Because I take videos, and in order to get a lot of views, you usually got to cut it to the most interesting thing as fast as possible. If I posted every video that I dove down, swam around for a minute and a half, nobody would watch it. So I cut it, but. Just because you see me shooting a walleye does not mean it's super easy. You, Like I said, you have to swim, dive, equalize, and then be able to find and get that fish close enough to take that shot. So please don't think that, you know, there's a lot of people doing this and it's just absolutely destroying the fish populations. It's very few people doing this. It's a very short window. We're very selective. We're not, you know, littering, you know, with lure packages or bait containers or anything like that. We take in what we take in. We take out what we take out. And, you know, we just want some fish to eat and uh, and have some good stories to tell when we get done with it.
0: <laughs> well, we appreciate you giving us your time. Why don't you uh, let us know where we can find uh, your organization or any of your stuff there if people want to watch some of this video stuff that we put up?
2: Yeah. Uh, Purely Michigan Spear Fishing on YouTube and Instagram, or you can come and join the group on uh, Facebook, Michigan Spear Fishing Association or Michigan Free Divers and Spiros um those are like the big the big ones and uh yeah instagram probably is the best for the videos i start i'm gonna start getting some more uh full-length videos on youtube here soon but um yeah those are the main ones instagram youtube oh tiktok purely michigan spearfishing that's more like the funny side of things (laughs) i didn't make it serious when i started it but then it started blowing up a little bit i was like ah, look at that (laughs)
0: Nice. Well, thanks again for giving us your time and uh, keep us posted on what you're learning with those. uh, I can't even say wallets, just fish in general, because I think that's kind of the coolest part to a guy like me. That's honestly probably not going to get into that, but yet I can appreciate what you're doing and uh, I like the education out of it.
2: Hey man, thanks for having me on and let me talk to people and hopefully uh, bridge that gap between uh, the angling, the fishing and the and line and the spearfishing community. Hopefully you get a better understanding of what we do.
0: I think you did, uh, you did them well tonight. So appreciate your time.
2: Thank you, brother.